Well, hello there. It's another day. I'm Jim Harrington. And I am Bill Knight. Well, it passed. Yeah, as a matter of fact, if you uh, want to hear exactly how it sounded uh, last night, here's the sound. Yeah, are 314. The nays are 117. The bill is passed. That's just great. We just raised the deficit. Yep, we Screw sure did. Screw you, America. Yep, as a matter of fact. That's uh, what he forgot to say. Bill, what did they call the bill? you got to hear this, oh, folks. Oh, that is the Fiscal uh, Responsibility yes. Act. And yeah. that, it's such a, you know, we are so responsible. I know. The country because, you know, our, our dollar is not backed by gold. And we just, it's paper money. And we just increased the, uh, we just took the line of, what was it? We were at uh, $31.4 trillion. And we mm-hmm. just jacked that up. I, that one out the window. I can remember like it was yesterday listening to uh, Rush Limbaugh back about 2000. That's about 23 mm-hmm. years ago. And they were dis- discussing that we were $3 trillion in debt and we were never going to pay it off. $3 trillion in debt. And now how how much in debt are we, Bill? Uh, $31.4 So we're mm. we're not... Never going to pay it off. We're we're never, 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 <laughs> never, 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 never. You're going to stop. Uh, never going to pay it depressing. off. It's depressing. Yes. Not only will you not pay it off, your kids won't pay it off. Your grandkids won't pay it off. Oh, my gosh. I don't understand. You know, there, Bill, there's I don't... probably not enough assets in the world, the whole planet, the globe, that could pay off that debt if you own the world. I, I don't know how they I don't know how they could possibly justify it logically because it's like having a credit card and saying, okay, we're maxed out. So instead of paying it off, we'd like to increase it by another, you know, whatever. So if you're in debt by twenty five grand on your credit card, instead of paying it off, just increase it to fifty thousand and we'll be fine. So why don't we just declare bankruptcy? Whole country declares bankruptcy. You can't give up. What are they going to do? Take away our, our infrastructure, our hardware that we need to exist and survive? Uh, they're going to take away our military that we need to defend ourselves. I don't know how they. I don't know how they justify it. I mean, they had a lot of people, by the way, who you wouldn't expect would have voted for this thing, voting for the bill. I mean, people like um, a Marjorie Taylor Greene voted for it. Uh, Guy, Guy Reichenthaler in Pennsylvania voted for it. Um, Marjorie Taylor Greene at least had the courage to go on TV last night and to try to justify and explain why she was voting for it, even though she hates it. Mm-hmm. But you can't have it both ways, you know? Well, I don't know. This was a stupid thing that we did, but we did it, so... We done did it, didn't we? I mean, we? I'm looking at the list of uh, representatives who voted for it. I mean, it goes on. It's sad. It really is sad. Uh, there's probably someone near you, some district near you, who who voted for it. I mean, uh, it's and the Democrats, forget it. They were in lockstep. I mean, I I don't think there were. I guess there were a handful of Democrats who, in principle, couldn't vote 46. for it. But, yeah, but most of the Democrats just Jim Jordan. Jim Jordan voted for it. I yeah. mean, these are people that you normally rely on to be on our side. I don't understand the logic. There has to be some reasoning that we can't comprehend as the average Joe Blow out here. But uh, Well, we bet you about socialism. But, you know, so you, there were some key elements that probably needed to be addressed in this uh, Fiscal Responsibility Act. Uh, the IRS, the uh, you know, the all the agents that they're keeping that are going to be armed to come and not take the money from the rich, like they always like to say, the Democrats, but take it from you know us fellow uh, poor people, you know, and uh, they'll come knocking at your door. You got money, good. We're going to take it, hand it over. Then you've got uh, oh, what else? The oh, well, okay, you saw what happened with Budweiser, you know, equity and equality, and the, the you know a lot of these companies now have. Equity equality officers. Oh yeah. Um, now this is all a part of that, and you get money for that. So there you go. Uh, and then uh, what? Well, you know, funds the FBI, which has now become the right hand of the Democratic Party, and protects people like Christopher Ray, who now probably will not have to, you know, you know, even though he's been subpoenaed to come forward, he's not going to do it. 
All right, I got a question for you. That's now, socialism, by the way. Now that we funded socialism, yeah, but now that uh, a lot of people didn't vote for it, I mean, hundred. What do they say? Seventy-one people didn't vote for it. Uh, all it takes is one person to um, to to put a bill of a, a motion to vacate the seat, vacate the speaker's seat. All it takes is one, and they gotta they gotta vote on it within I think ten days, so it it's expedited. Um, I can't imagine a more appropriate scenario than what we've just gone through. I got to think that some some one of those seventy one people are going to uh, vote to uh, have have McCarthy removed as the speaker. What do you think? Well, I, I'm sure of it because I can't remember the guy's name. He's he's uh, uh, he's hair challenged, as was I recall. It Chip, was it Chip Roy from Texas? Might have been him, but he's saying, yeah, he was going to put that through uh, regardless of what happened because he goes, uh, you know, Kevin's an idiot. We're going to do this. You know, my only fear is, you know, there's another guy, too, that uh, uh, what is the guy from um, uh, we have we had a Republican resign uh, his uh, Senate seat, Mm -hmm. you know, over the week or early in the week. So representative resigned. Yeah. So it, it cuts our. Our uh, lead. We down go from two twenty two or two twenty one down to two twenty. Yeah, something like and that. Then, yeah, yeah. So you know, you have the you have the shot. You know, if we. Uh, we I mean, vote to vacate. we could get ha- Hakeem Jeffries, the uh, the minority leader, might end up being Speaker of the House, which would be disastrous. Yeah, so then we're screwed again. So yeah, you know, it was it was a damned if you do and damned if you don't. And I start to think that you know what the Democrats. They they sit and scheme and they strategize. You know they'll they'll mm-hmm. get their strategy together even if they're in a losing situation, and the Republicans don't do that. We've been sitting there infighting, so you know I don't really know that we're going to hold that house, and we've got a weak margin because mm-hmm. we, we we argue too much and we don't focus on the big picture. We sit here and get caught up in our own minutia. And you know, well, that's this, what this Republicans never Republicans are notorious for that. I mean, Republicans will all the time. They will, what do they say? They will steal uh, defeat from the jaws of victory. They do it all the time. Whereas the Democrats, no matter what you think of the Democrats, they march lockstep. They're like a, a well-oiled machine. You get one Democrat, you get them all, for the most part. Even the yeah, ones but, who even the ones who didn't vote for this bill, they did it by permission. People said because they knew they had enough votes, they, and they knew that the people who weren't going to vote for it were doing it for political purposes for their own districts, so they could go back and say, "Well, I didn't vote for it." You know, they got permission to vote against it. So even the ones who seemed to be rebellious were doing it by authority. If you know what I mean. I know, and the way they are calling this thing now, this is, to me, it's critical the way they're saying this. Uh, breaking news, the McCarthy-Biden, the McCarthy-Biden yeah. debt ceiling bill passes. So they're good. they're going to take all the bad oh, and yeah. the blowback, and Biden's going to go, oh, well, you know, I mean, I negotiated the best deal that we could, but you know those Republicans love to spend money, and look what they did. Oh, sure. And if the, the situation were... Uh... With President Trump, they would have put it the Trump so-and-so bill. Trump would have been first. They're constantly thinking about the political ramifications of everything they do. They, they try to minimize the Republicans at every turn, and a lot of the Republicans, they just kind of fall for it. I mean, how does Marjorie mm-hmm. Taylor Greene, no matter what her excuse, how does Marjorie Taylor Greene vote for this? I don't understand it. I, it it's beyond my comprehension. You're putting us more and more. And I think they said no matter what they're telling you, they're going to be $4 trillion. Uh, the, the ceiling's going to be $4 trillion higher now than it was before the bill. They may say they yeah. didn't raise the debt ceiling, but in reality, it's $4 trillion higher. Yeah, I mean, they saved some money here, but they still went along with increases. So this $31.4 trillion number, I believe... That was a number I heard before we ever did this debt ceiling, you know, the uh, where we were raising it, uh, which, and if it didn't raise, why is the IRS bill in there? 
Why is the Equity uh, you know, Equality Act in there? Why is the funding that's there for you know, the, the crap that's going on with the FBI there? We could have saved a lot of money there. And actually, I would have been happy if they would have just sat there and got the damn debt down even by a trillion dollars hey, what listen, it was. I, I was ready to ex- – this may sound silly, but, I mean, my wife and I, we talked about, okay, if the country goes into default – and we can't get, like, we're older, so we get certain things mm-hmm. like Social Security and stuff. You know, if we don't get a Social Security check, can we deal with it? Of course. We can work around it. Everything will be fine. I mean, I was accepting the fact that the country was going to go into, into default. And that might not have been a bad thing because that reality might have woken these clowns in D.C. up. But, but because well, see, of my- they don't suffer. It's the American people that have to suffer first before we get rid of them. And if they defaulted on the debt and you didn't get, you know, your social programs, and they are social programs, but, you know, uh, I I don't disagree with them. Well, you know, listen, the, uh, I was ready as a as an average Joe to to uh, suck it up a bit and, and deal with a, a, a defaulted economy and maybe a country in default. But that might have been a good thing. We've never been there. You know, we've never been in default. And uh, you're not going to throw an American population out on the keister. At that point in time, we're all going to work together. Uh, and the government would have to sit there and go, okay, we've got to get our act together. These programs that you might not get, they would have to give you IOUs for, you know? And so you, you'd still be able to pay your debts. There would be a way that would be, there would be a workaround before, you know, there was a total collapse. But what there would also be is, true physical responsibility of the government, which we don't have. So, you know, well, uh, we're technically, uh, we haven't, it hasn't passed the Senate yet. It will, but we're technically defaulted now. Oh, I mean, we've been writing, we've been writing pretend checks well, for years. You know, Mitch McConnell, who is the minority leader, he's an idiot. Re- Republican minority re- uh, leader in uh, the Senate, he said this. House Republicans unity gave them the upper hand. They used it to secure a much-needed step in the right direction. When this agreement reaches the Senate, I'll be proud to support it without delay. What a swamp dweller. Truly. I'll be proud to see your ass kicked out of the Senate, too, Mr. McConnell. Yeah, but he doesn't care anymore. He really, as a matter of fact, you remember when he was uh, injured a few months Mm -hmm. ago? He he fell down at the Trump uh, Hotel. And people thought, is he going to come back? Is that it for Mitch? No, you can't get rid of Mitch that easily. <laughs> he came crawling back, and uh, but they they said this is probably his last term in office. But you know, it's like it, when you is really he like Feinstein, and she won't resign. That's a problem for the Democrats, you know. Well, there's our she. He's our Feinstein, idiot. Well, uh, he's got a little more common sense, but not much. Well, he, he's going to sign it, and he's going to encourage everybody on the Senate side to sign it, and we'll get screwed as a people, and life will go on for them. They'll continue to go to their parties and have their nice dinners and sip their wines and laugh at each other's jokes. In the meantime, your grandchildren are going to be burdened by debt. You may say, well, do we really feel it? Yes, you really well. feel it. Trust me, uh, it is a... It is a, 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 a real debt that is really going to have to be met by, by people you love in your family. You know, what can I say? It's, it's something you're going to have to be paying off. I mean, think about it. When, we, when you pay your taxes right now, you're paying off the interest. You're not paying off the principal. The principal stays there. I mean, it, it, is, it is disgusting. If you ran your personal finances like that, uh, you'd be in a lot of fiscal trouble, but no. Well, you know, a lot of times when everyone goes, well, I reduced the deficit. No, you're shuffling paper. It's yeah. still there. Because if you really reduce the deficit, that number would have already gone down. So, yeah, you're right. We're, we're paying the interest payments. We're, we're carrying the debt forward. But you know, it's all a paper chase. And they called it the Fiscal Responsibility Act. These people, it's bad enough that they're, they're screwing you, okay? But they're doing it, and they expect you to like it. 
okay? I mean, that's how bad it is. They, they expect you to smile at, at this. They have the audacity to turn around to you and say, it's the Fiscal Responsibility Act. It's anything but, and, and uh, uh, we could go on and on. Uh, understand, folks, that uh, when, when you read this and if you feel depressed about what they've done in Washington, you're not alone. At least this, get comfort in the fact that there's millions of us out here who feel the exact same way. These guys, once again, in Washington, D.C., have failed us. They failed us in things like the Afghan war. They failed us at the border. And now they've failed us with the budget. Would you please show me something, dear God, that these guys have done that hasn't been a fail? Because I can't think of a darn thing. Can you? No, no, you can't. I, there's nothing positive to say about this. You know, except we won't be, well, no, I was going to say we're not going to hear about it in the news, but we sure as hell are because. Bill, and understand something. <laughs> They're going to be giving a lot of this money to the Ukrainians. Yeah. I mean, billions more. Do you think it's going to go to fix your highways in your town, your state? <laughs> it's going to the Ukraine so they can buy more tanks and guns and planes and bullets. And uh, they can also give their politicians more money, pad their pockets, just make it a, a real happy, corrupt system with your money. With your yeah, we're money. blowing things up over there with our money, but they'll have better roads than we do. We're still driving in the potholes of our infrastructure. You know, our country is, the infrastructure is so old, it needs to be rebuilt. And we're talking about, well, you know, they need to have a taste of American, uh, you know, of what it's like to be in America. Yeah, bring them over here, put them in a car, and let them drive on our roads. I went over to, uh, with my wife, we took a ride over to a place not too far from where I live. It's um, a t- little town called Pleasant Hills, Pennsylvania. I know, I know where it is. And we went to, I'm sure you know where this is, Century 3, the mall. Century yes. 3 Mall. Now, Century 3 Mall for There's not ye- much there going on now, is there? It's empty. Oh. Bill, yeah. for years, this was a multi-million dollar shopping showplace. It was gorgeous. I mean, had a lot of big stores, Sears, JCPenney. It, it had a lot of little uh, niche stores, Old Navy. It was always busy, and it was always a nice place to go visit. I'm talking about back in the 80s and the 90s. And then... Uh, things started to turn around economically. Uh, people like Amazon came online and people didn't have to go to the mall and the mall literally died. It shriveled up like a grape. It became like a, an old raisin and it died. I went over there to drive around to see what's happening. I haven't been there in quite some time. The road that goes around the mall right. is all potholes. It was like I needed a Jeep. I was ruining my car by driving there. I thought I thought they didn't even have the decency. The town didn't even have the decency, because it's still a town road, to at least pave or patch the holes so that people, if they're taking a shortcut through by the mall, they wouldn't have. It was horrendous, and I thought, well, maybe they can't afford it. They can't afford it. You know, we're sending all of this money to all these different places and places like this place, you know, that mall, if, if they really wanted to bring it back, they could have, the, the government could have helped them out. The government could have said, no, 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 we're not going to let the mall fail. I mean, we're going to have, we're going to have uh, new businesses come in. We're going to give incentives, or maybe we're going to sell the, the entire mall to a hospital and make it a hospital, do something positive because it's a huge structure, but it's, oh, it's, yeah. it's, it's empty, Bill. It's empty. It's empty. Now, how's Ross Park Mall doing there? Um, I think they're still open, but I'm sure they're struggling, too. I know places like the Monroeville Mall. These are all malls around Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, folks. Oh, yeah. And Pittsburgh is a pretty good little town. And these malls were once, as Bill will attest to, hustling, bustling, vibrant places. And and now, they're, if they're not closed like, like that one, uh, they're... They're having their uh, hard times, you know. I've often thought, you know, since the balls have gone the way of the Fagawi, take the land, take the building, leave the structure there, redo the structure. In other words, refurbish it, but build uh, condos. Yeah. Apartments or condos on top 
That way you could go inside to where the stores were and refurbish it to no, where no, it no, could Bill, be a Bill, self game. Bill, that's far too creative. I mean, uh, but <laughs> let me finish. Then you could sit there and have a self-contained community there. Mm -hmm. But you that lived out in um, uh, used to be Mars, now it's Cranberry. You know, you could drive over there. You could still be able to park, get inside, and shop within. They would have hours, but you know, if you live there. You know, you could have the safety no, of no, parking. No, no, Bill, that's, could... that's far too creative, really. You're talking about politicians being creative. And, and they, you have to ask the key, the key question that every politician asks, what's in it for me? <laughs> that's the question there. These guys constantly ask. We have got, we've got problems, friends, not just on the national level. We've got it on the local level, too. What's in it for me? And if the answer is nothing, then they will do nothing and commit to nothing. And you'll see things like, and I'm sure, I'm sure if you look in your community, wherever you are, be it California or if you're down south, you're going to find malls just like the one I just talked about in the Pittsburgh area. In Detroit, trouble. Michigan? Yeah, all of them. I mean, they're, they're dead everywhere and everyone goes, they, they treat it. Like AM radio has been treated yeah. over the years, which still is still viable. Actually, speaking of AM radio, where Ford had done away with uh, the radios, uh, the public cry has been there, and all of a sudden they said, "Uncle, we give. Yeah. We are going to keep the radios in the cars because when you think about it, AM radio has always served a purpose, and one of those purposes has been." to uh, be there when you need it in case of a storm, in case of an emergency. Uh, it has been the backbone of the uh, EBS emergency uh, broadcast system. Some people don't realize what we're talking about, but a, a few weeks ago, just a few weeks ago, uh, Ford Motor Company and a few other car manufacturers said that they were going to stop including AM radios in their cars. Stupid and move. For what reason? It literally cost the car company about uh, three bucks to put an AM radio in a car, a a, a a a figure that's easily absorbed, you know, by the by the buyer. Uh, yeah, and a lot of people don't realize that AM needed less power before to go a lot further. Uh, but there has been all kind, and actually, there were laws to protect the signal. But, you know, traffic lights, different things, spark plugs and trucks interfere with it. But yet, you know, for, you know, three cents more, they can make a spark plug that uh, doesn't emit that, you yeah. know, static, yeah. which you can get on FM, too. Um, but it was more practical. You know, now AM takes up real estate because of the ground system. But there's ways around that. But you know what? The, the, We've just washed it aside. The car companies were saying, look at, you know, you don't need AM radio anymore because everyone listens to their cell phones in their cars and they can get the same stations on their cell phones. But the problem is, if you lose the Internet, if there's an emergency and you don't have the Internet, you're not going to get those stations. You need right. AM. You do need AM. You need that diversity. You need, uh, you know, AM reinvented itself once yeah, when uh, you know, basically that was the birth of uh, birth of television. All the all the shows they were on radio. People would sit in their living rooms and stare at the radio, listening to Fibber McGee and Molly, or you know, yeah, the, the shadow the hundreds of shows. But then television came along, and all of a sudden it stole its thunder and rock and roll. Yep, revived uh, radio with uh, you know, uh, and the hits just keep on coming. And then, and then FM walked in and. But yeah, I was just saying when that died, there was another revival. Yeah, basically, fu basically fueled by one guy, Rush, Rush Limbaugh. Limbaugh. Yeah, yeah, and then you got sports talk. You got everything because you know the one thing is it's the power of the spoken word. That is one thing you you can duplicate any song. You can duplicate a TV show for yeah. for, for all there is. But when you come in and you talk about what's on your mind today. You know, I can't sit there and read your mind and mimic you, your thoughts. Right. And that is a powerful force there. And that's, you know, well, AM was made for But they that. wanted and to for, take that away from you. They yeah. wanted to take it away from you. You know, you look at car companies, the one that you would expect it, you the one you would expect this not to happen in would be Ford because 
you know, Ford is an all-American company. It's been around for for decades, and uh, they have just been that that fallback American brand. But they were the one who led the charge to remove AM radio, and they're the ones who are all of a sudden becoming very woke. Uh, they have a, a commercial, you may have seen it on the Internet, where one of their F-150s, an all-American rugged brand if there is one, uh, F-150 trucks is uh, painted in pride colors. You know, oh, everybody's yeah. pushing pride. Everybody is pushing this this woke agenda, and people are going, and it's backfiring. People are going, what the heck is going on? But I think it's going to be shoved down our throats. You know, I did some time uh, over the weekend, you know, uh, I'm still actually up in, in Massachusetts, but uh, we have a place in Ogonquit that we love to go visit. But the town there is, you know, woke, uh, you know, oh, yeah. nice area, but it's woke. But all the crosswalks are the rainbow flag, you know. Oh, paint. sure. Absolutely. And I'm in New England. Yeah. You know, I'm like going. Welcome to you New know, England. <laughs> I don't care about what you, you know, how you feel. That's great. You yeah. know, just don't shove it down my throat. Try being a conservative in Boston. Trust me. I mean, I I, got, I have to applaud guys like uh, Jeff Cooner. Jeff uh, does a conservative talk show on WRKO in Boston, and I mean, he's in a he's a, a lone voice in a sea of liberalism. <laughs> well, I, I that sea of liberalism is um, is basically in the seat of government because a lot of the people are not the liberals you think here. But, you know, when they have power, they'll let you believe that everyone believes what they believe. Well, welcome Makes to you the kind world. of wonder how they got there. Well, it, it's going to be, uh, I don't know how, I don't know how they can justify this new budget. I got to tell you, it, it was uh, uh, symbolic in a lot of ways and depressing in many ways to me because yeah. when you see people who you trust voting for it and trying to justify it, um, it, it, it's, uh, kind of takes the wind out of your sails because yeah. you realize maybe, maybe even the ones that we're trusting down there really can't be trusted. Do you know when push comes to shove, maybe they're just performing a, what is it? Hubuki act. They're pretending to be something that they're not. They're just mm -hmm. doing their role in the play. You know? It's amazing. We've spent a half hour talking about this this fiscal uh, responsibility act, the new budget. You know, and I think I can sum it up in one word. Go ahead. Sucks. <laughs> Thank you. What an articulate. <laughs> what an articulate. Uh, right on evaluation. the on the money. Yes, it really is. Um, another thing that's happening in the news. You may have heard about this. You know, Tara Reid was the uh, young lady who accused Biden of sexually accosting her in a hallway when he mm -hmm. was a senator. Uh, and the, when the story first came out, the media wouldn't touch it with a 10-foot pole. Nothing. Nothing. They just, but now the media is starting to talk about it, but they're really doing it in a way that is uh, kind of, uh, it's, it's in, the, in defense of Joe Biden, so to speak. Here was a reporter asking, uh, John Kirby, who is the now, I guess he's the assistant press secretary of the White House, an admiral. He means he's, he's he's just under Karine Jean Pierre. Well, there's there's something that's got to be difficult for him to uh, swallow. A guy, a former admiral, uh, having to be subordinate to Karine Jean Pierre. But anyway, here's what uh, the reporter said. Listen to then Senator Biden back in the nineties, and then uh, in twenty twenty accused him of sexual yesterday she's seeking citizenship in Russia and she feels safer there. Does the White House have any reaction to that announcement given the accusations that she's made against President Biden? We'd be loath to comment on the uh, uh, on the musings of a potential Russian citizen. That's really up for her to, to speak to. Does the White House uh, believe that her allegations may have been motivated by her uh, allegiance to affinity for Russia? Difficult to say. Uh, I mean, I, I, I can't get inside uh, her her head and, and, and speak for her motivations and intentions. That's really for her to speak to. The one thing I will say is that the allegations 
that uh, her life was at risk uh, by the United States government, absolutely false, baseless. There's nothing to that. I love it how he says uh, he has nothing to say about a potential Russian citizen, but he could have said something about a current American citizen, you know? I mean, this guy, what an empty suit John Kirby is. And then, by the way, he was up at the same press conference, and one of the reporters asked um, John Kirby about the Biden family crime accusations. Listen. This press office adjacent person, uh, the press office. You can ask it to I'll, well, I'll, I'll take that question. Why don't you ask Okay, all right. I'll, I'll go to the second one. I'll ask you the press freedom, Korean and uh, John, I'll ask you the international polling question. Uh, there have been many developments in the House investigations into the First Family's international business dealings recently. Uh, there's one committee trying to get an FBI file alleging that President Biden took bribes. There's another IRS whistleblower who's alleging there's a cover-up in the investigation. Amid all of this, there was a Harvard-Harris poll this month that found that 53% of the public, including a fourth of Democrats, believe, quote, Joe Biden was involved with his son in an, in an illegal influence peddling scheme. Uh, there's, of course, evidence that the president interacted with his relatives, associates from China, uh, Mexico, Kazakhstan, Russia, and Ukraine. Uh, so what do you say to the majority of Americans who believe that the president is himself corrupt? The president has spoken to this, uh, and there's nothing to these claims. And as for the, 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 the whistleblower issue that you talked about and, uh, um, and the, the, the document, I, I, I believe the FBI has spoken to that, and you're going to have to go to them on that. All right, let's go. Okay, this was a rehearsed response, okay? Kirby, you had to see it. Uh, I think you. I saw it. Yeah, he he kind of takes a breath and goes, "Wow, wow." And, and Corinne Jean Pierre, by the way, off mic says a curse like, you know, JC. I'll just leave it at that. Corinne Jean Pierre can be heard in the background, at least on the TV version. And and uh, then he says, "There's nothing to this." The president has, has addressed this. Well, let me tell you a little bit something about that, folks. We have uh, Hunter's laptop, and. We've got a ton of admissions in the laptop about their corrupt practices. This is not something which is even debatable. I mean, there's evidence right there in the laptop. The evidence is it was written by Hunter and his proto is uh, partners in crime. I mean, they talk about uh, the big guy. They weren't talking about me or you, right? Well, let me tell you something, or let me ask you a question. So let's say the Democrats hold on, they take back the House, they keep the Senate, and they get the presidency again. Is that laptop, even though it's hard evidence that there was corruption and is corruption, is it going to mean a damn thing oh, no. in 2024? Well, here's the, here's the good thing. The guy, I guess, uh, the guy who owned the Mac store, uh, he made copies of the hard drive. Mm -hmm. And I guess guys like Rudy Giuliani have copies of it. So the, that's the, why they're tearing him down. Well, you know, yeah, the FBI can't say uh, uh, we lost it. Because sometimes they'll say, "I don't know what happened to that evidence, but it's no longer available." You know, I, I gotta something else happened. Um, which somebody ought to take the laptop and transcribe it, put it out there in a book, well, and let everyone buy it for themselves. You know, they probably would uh, force the the publisher out of business because. Yeah. They wouldn't want you to read it, um, but I'm trying to find the uh, the article that I have about um, about the laptop evidence. They have, you know, they're talking about this um, document that they the they've subpoenaed from uh, Christopher Ray and the FBI, and he Christopher Ray, uh, being the great law enforcement officer that he is. He did the legal right thing, and he flipped Congress the bird. He flipped him the bird. You can't have it. I'm not going to give it to you. Uh, I don't think it's right. It, it may put uh, our how did he, how did he call it FBI uh, FBI strategies in jeopardy. But by the way, they give those strategies out every week on uh, TV programs. You know, they have advisors for these TV programs like the FBI and FBI International and FBI Most Wanted. 
They have advisors, and they make sure they get it right. So a lot of the strategies are already out there every week. This is just an excuse. Um, no, I, You know, I, you can learn a lot from TV about uh, how the FBI works, how the police work. I was watching one of those crime shows, solving shows, and, uh, you know, there there's a chokehold that uh, the police use that uh, right. will, in six seconds, knock you out. And, you know, I said, well, you know, uh, they can't, they shouldn't show anybody how to do that. And the next thing, what do they do? They showed you exactly how to reach under the right arm, bring your arm and hand across, and pull tight. And when you, if you do it right, no scars, they're out in six seconds. You do it wrong, yeah, you got bruises, but they're still out. So I'm like going. Well, if you do it real wrong, you can kill them. That's exactly what the guy in that train, the subway in New York, the young yeah. kid was trying to do. He was trying to knock the guy out, and he, instead the guy. But died. I'm just saying, you know, so everything that Ray is saying is a bunch of, it's a load of crap. You know, well, they, they, they tell all their secrets. They give it away. And also, one of the FBI whistleblowers said that the FBI will take evidence that they don't want other FBI agents to see, and they'll put them in these uh these files that are uh, the top, top secret. Meaning if you're an average agent, usually you have access to things in the FBI because you're part of the team. But there mm -hmm. are some files that they have that they've made it so that you haven't got access to them. They're, they're very, very secret. And that's where a lot of the Hunter Biden stuff has been placed. In these right. folders that the average agent can't go uh, peruse, you know? There are classified documents that even the president doesn't know about or can get. And that kind of makes you wonder about the government. Because if there are uh, if there are powers that have, you know, they have, uh, their power supersedes... Mm -hmm. Anybody elected in office in that's supposedly be uh, supposedly is our commander in chief. Then who's running our government? Yeah, exactly. And what what does that mean? Yeah, you know who's running? Who's flying this boat? Uh, this airplane, rather. Who's flying this boat? It's a boat plane. Yeah. <laughs> it's a boat plane submarine, yeah. and we're Who about to take a dive. Who is flying this airplane? That's what I meant meant to say. But uh, it's early, friends. It's early, and I I'm I'm a little uh, tired from thinking about this. Uh, I woke up in the middle of the night, would you believe? Think about this for a second. I woke up at 2.30 this morning, and one of the things I was lying there thinking about was the budget. I thought, oh, you've got to be kidding me. Why am I waking up at 2.30 in the morning and thinking about the budget? I mean, haven't I got other things to think about? I mean, when I was a teenager, if I woke up at 2.30 in the morning, I sure as heck wasn't thinking about the budget. <laughs> but, you know. No, but, yeah, but see, we talk about it every day. So we talk about the news every day. So it's logical. We are uh, infatuated with it. If you're a, a worker, a hard worker, whatever your career is, you probably tend to wake up thinking about that. It's just like when you're a kid in school. You know, you you'll you'll have weird dreams about school. We obsess. You remember but... the TV show um, Dawson's Creek? Yeah, James Vanderbeek. He was yeah. one of the stars on the show. Um, he's becoming more sane, I guess. He's out there surrounded by the Hollywood uh, uh, liberals. You know, it's mm -hmm. and, but even some of them are starting to wake up a bit and. Uh, you know, the Democrats have said there'll be no debates on the Democratic side. It's going to be Joe and Carmela, and that's it, right? No debating. You, that's it. Now, by the way, Robert F. Kennedy Jr. has got um, 20, 25% of the polling in his favor already, and he just started like a week and a half ago. Uh, but anyway, James Vanderbeek had this to say about no debating. The Democratic National Committee is saying there will not be a debate to decide the nominee for president. Are you f 
kidding me. There's no debate over an 80-year-old man who, if he lives, will be the oldest sitting president in the history of the country. And if he doesn't live, has a vice president whose approval rating is worse than his. This guy is obviously declining mental faculties. You're putting him up in front of a podium with flashcards telling him who to call on and what the questions are going to be. What about the will of the people? If we don't have a debate, this is not a democracy by the people. It's a democracy by them. Who? Big banks, big business, big tech, big pharma, big government, big... Whatever. What the hell? How do we have a government? How do we have a democracy? If we're letting a small little back room of people make all the important decisions for us, that's not a democracy. And it doesn't work because y'all have been wrong about a lot these last couple of years in that back room. I could be wrong about all this. I could be wrong about the guy being fit for the job. I could be wrong about the other people being right, being legitimate, being crazy. You know what would solve that? A debate. James Vanderbeek, uh, former uh, star of Dawson's Creek. Uh, and, you know, he kind of implies that uh, there's a uh, sub-government running the entire system, which is something well, he we didn't kind, kind of, of uh, <laughs> imply that. That yeah. was, a, you know, there wasn't even code to it, you know, because he's asking who's running it, you know, what's running it. And he is right about Biden. But, you know, the funny thing about uh, uh, Kamala, you know, she's been quiet. Every once in a while she babbles in. And they're trying to say what a brilliant woman she is. She's going to get the black vote, the women vote, and all that. And she was a great prosecutor. Uh, lie. She's not a black woman, just so you know. Look at her her heritage. She's really not. You know? Um, I think she's uh, part Indian. <clears throat> excuse yeah. me. And uh, I think her one side of her family is Jamaican. I could be wrong, but it's not the lineage that you would uh, you would expect or one that she tries to sell to the public. Her uh, prosecution record, not good at all. You know, in, uh, you know, Willie Brown, he says what a, you know, disaster she is. So, and, and a lot of the, the preachers in the black community called her lock a brother up, that's you know, true. and, uh, yeah. is, you know, uh, oh, she's beautiful and she'll get the women's vote. Well, I think women see right through her and she's not that pretty. I'm not going to say she's ugly. I'm not going there, but I'm just saying she's not a raving beauty. She's an okay looking person but that's about it but you, you know, know i was she, thinking about what you're saying only in the past 50 years has what you're talking about 60 years uh has that really been an important issue whether the person looks good i mean think about the presidents who have had before kennedy i mean we had uh fdr for four terms and he was a uh, paraplegic uh, uh not a terribly good looking guy uh, we had a you know Calvin Coolidge was he a rock star? I don't think so. I mean guys like uh, I mean I could go on and on even back to Abraham Lincoln, a big lanky gaunt looking guy who definitely didn't have uh, uh, any sex appeal. But that wasn't no. an issue back then. But nowadays in this current environment, guys like uh, John Kennedy come along and you have to look good for the TV camera. You have to have the right amount of hair. I mean, Eisenhower, did he have the right amount of hair? I don't think so. It's all public image now. And that, it is. You know, that the view is taking sides with Kamala to try to build up her public image. You know, but Kamala does a pretty good, uh, that's why they can't let her out, uh, out of her cage. Because when she comes out, she says something stupid. Yeah. Kind of like Joe. They don't need another Joe in the But she'll laugh at it, too. She'll laugh and... That cackle will drive you nuts. She'll laugh at her own joke before she tells it, and it's not a joke. It's her reality. That's, you know, well, <laughs> you know, <laughs> she does that stupid cackle, and then she says, she follows it with her dumb statement. It's like, did you think this one through, Kamala, before you actually? No, that's asking too much. You know, I think she believes that every speech she gives can be extemporaneous, meaning off the cuff. And uh, it doesn't work for her because she'll say things like, you have to be diligent to be diligent and your diligence should be uh, in the forefront so that you are consciously thinking about how diligent you really are. It's like, what the heck did she just, what's she talking about? That's well, Carmela. I, I think she took lessons before the guy had a stroke uh, from John Fetterman. <laughs> uh, because he talked a lot like that too. Oh my God! And I'm not making fun of his uh, his handicap that he's got. Now I, you know, I I wish him well, wow. and I think he knows that he's struggling. Well, no, he knows he's struggling, 
Um, and I, uh, but you know, the guy, if he had, um, he's a placeholder. That's if what he, he had any decency, though, if he cared about our country and our state, uh, he wouldn't. He wouldn't allow himself to be uh, stumbling around trying to figure out, uh, you know, uh, how to find the the Senate restroom. I mean, the guy is the guy is lost. And by the way, they're starting to make fun of him now because he will show up now at press conferences wearing his white hoodie and his uh, baggy shorts. You know, looking like he's going to go down to the gym to shoot baskets when everybody else on the podium is dressed in a suit and tie. That's the senator from Pennsylvania. Oh, my dear goodness. And hey, doesn't uh, he make Pennsylvania proud? You know, oh, when I lived in Pittsburgh, everybody in Pittsburgh always loved to make fun of West Virginia, you know, right right, yeah. down the interstate across the, the border there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, not so funny now, are you? <laughs> hey, listen, I didn't I'm pick from, him. I'm don't in look Pennsylvania, at me. too. You know, I'm from don't, Pennsylvania. Don't. And yeah, not so funny now because, you know, he represents you. Hey, uh, Ed Henry and Karen Turk do a, a program on Real America's Voice, uh, which is a streaming network, which has thousands of millions of viewers. It's do, it does very well. It's the uh, network that carries Steve Bannon's War Room program. And, uh, they had an interesting thing that they uh, were talking about uh, yesterday uh, concerning Tucker Carlson. Listen. Uh, you fired Tucker. You know, you, you, you kind of thumb your nose at your viewers on election night 2020. Look at the Gateway Pundit, our friends who we normally have on Mondays. Obviously, we had a holiday this week. It's official. So the Gateway Pundit now has more daily page views than Fox News primetime shows, Karen, have nightly viewers. Wow, that's good news for Jim. And you amazing. see these alternative sources of news, whether it's Gateway Pundit whether it's just the news, just the news.com, and now Real America's Voice, uh, it just keeps on growing. Now, I want to quickly get to some other point about Fox. So, this gentleman, Chadwick Moore, uh, used to be a frequent guest on Fox, but he decided to write a biography of Tucker, right? And when Tucker was there, they were like, oh, yeah, carte blanche, we'll do interviews, we'll do it. Now they fired him, they don't want him. So, they canceled an appearance the other night. There was a big hullabaloo. Oh. Uh, and, and he revealed that they had a new policy over there, two new policies. One, I'm very pleased because of the backlash they backed down. Thanks to my tweets, Fox has reversed its recent decision to not publicize non-News Corp books. So if it was not a book published by Rupert Murdoch, right. they had a new policy. They would not have you on. So Donald Trump wants to come on and talk about winning team publishing. No, it wasn't published by Rupert Murdoch. So now they've done the right thing, he says, a tremendous victory for all of us struggling authors. But then he says, so they reversed that policy, and they're going to allow you if you have a non-Murdoch book. But then he's saying that insiders at Fox, if you go to the next one, are telling him privately that all on-air talent, Karen, have been banned from saying the name Tucker. Wow. On air. That's like pretty extreme. But this is the same this is the same person that was controlling the narrative by only, you know, having books on that they were publishing inside. So what does that tell you? But what yeah, and how is that if you want to be a media company that says we're for free speech and one of your anchors wants to say, Oh, you know, Tucker just posted a video on Twitter. You can't you can't mention his name. You're banned from naming Tucker Carlson. Do not mention Tucker on the air. I think it's absolutely incredible. So Chadwick Moore is a writer. He wrote a biography on Tucker Carlson, and he said, well, the good news is that uh, Fox is allowing authors who have books that have been published by publishing companies other than publishing companies owned by uh, the News Corp, which is Fox News, uh, to come on their programs and, and promote their books. But because he wrote his bi- biography on Tucker, he can't go on because he has to mention the word Tucker. <laughs> mm-hmm. And they don't want to mention Tucker anymore on Fox. He doesn't exist in there. So, so Tucker has become like the old car, the Tucker. Yes. You know, yes. it's totally written off. And uh, I have a feeling know. this Tucker is going to come back, though. I really do. Yeah, I, well, he should. I mean, look at the popularity of him. But uh, you never know with uh, what's going on with that. George Soros' son, little change of subject here, uh, apparently has visited the Biden White House. Not once, not twice, not thrice, not uh, to the 10th power, but like 17 times. Why not? Sure. I mean, they got a nice bed. They got great food. And uh, ice cream, too. Uh, yeah. Ice, don't forget oh, the ice cream. Joe wouldn't have a house without ice cream, really. <laughs> That's right. And uh, so uh, I would imagine it's a, 
it's like going to the Holiday Inn for the services, you know? Yeah, just kind of like the old song, stumbling in, just stumble on in, because Joe stumbles around and stumbles out all the time. you got to love it. Unbelievable. Oh, yeah. Also, uh, Donald Trump, he had a, an interesting little uh, message to the world yesterday talking about uh, anchor babies. Listen to what he said. Joe Biden has launched an illegal foreign invasion of our country, allowing a record number of illegal aliens to storm across our borders. From all over the world, they came. Under Biden's current policies, even though these millions of illegal border crossers have entered the country unlawfully, all of their future children will become automatic U.S. citizens. Can you imagine? They'll be eligible for welfare, taxpayer-funded health care, the right to vote, chain migration, and countless other government benefits, many of which will also profit the illegal alien parents. This policy is a reward for breaking the laws of the United States and is obviously a magnet helping draw the flood of illegals across our borders. They come by the millions and millions and millions. They come from mental institutions. They come from jails, prisoners, some of the toughest, meanest people you'll ever see. The United States is among the only countries in the world that says that even if neither parent is a citizen nor even lawfully in the country, their future children are automatic citizens the moment the parents trespass onto our soil. As has been laid out by many scholars, this current policy is based on a historical myth and a willful misinterpretation of the law by the open borders advocates. Uh, there aren't that many of them around. It's amazing. Who wants this? Who wants to have prisoners coming into our country? Who wants to have people who are very sick coming into our country? People from mental institutions coming into our country? And come they will. They're coming by the thousands, by the tens of thousands. As part of my plan to secure the border on day one, my new term in office, I will sign an executive order making clear to federal agencies that under the correct interpretation of the law, going forward, the future children of illegal aliens will not receive automatic U.S. citizenship. It's things like this that bring millions of people to our country, and they enter our country illegally. My policy will choke off a major incentive for continued illegal immigration deter more migrants from coming and encourage many of the aliens Joe Biden has unlawfully let into our country to go back to their home countries. They must go back. Nobody could afford this. Nobody could do this. And even morally, it's so wrong. My order will also end their unfair practice known as birth tourism, where hundreds of thousands of people from all over the planet squat in hotels for their last few weeks of pregnancy to illegitimately and illegally obtain U.S. citizenship for the child, often to later exploit chain migration to jump the line and get green cards for themselves and their family members. It's a practice that's so horrible and so egregious, but we let it go forward. At least one parent will have to be a citizen or a legal resident in order to qualify, we will secure our borders and we will restore our sovereignty starting on day one. Our country will be great again. Our country will be a country again. We'll have borders, we'll have proper education, and we'll put America first. Thank you. I love his attitude, but I, I think the damage is done. I think that, uh, I think you said it yesterday. They're saying that there will be 40 million people by the time the 2024 election I think takes place. Here. Yeah, you said you think it's already uh, the case. Yeah, look around, just pay attention. And if you pay attention, they're already here. We got uh, kind of another story that's interesting. I'll set it up this way. When I was a kid, when I was in the sixth grade, somebody, well, a teacher assigned us a, you know, write a futuristic, uh, you know, essay. So I did. You know, I, I came up with the idea that there would be self-driving cars in the future, but they would follow a track that was buried into the pavement. And I said, you know, and with, uh, you know, computers were as big as a room back then, but they sat there, I sat there and said, you know, maybe they'll get to a point to where a computer can be, can run the nation. We won't have division with, you know, it'll just take input from the people mm -hmm. and give the people exactly what they want. Well, we have self-driving cars today. And I, I actually, the teacher said, yeah, you wrote it well, but uh, you stole these ideas, these, these ideas. You didn't think of them. You got them from science. 
uh, science science shows, and I didn't. But you know, either way, I I bombed and got a C on it. But <laughs> well, we have the self driving cars today. We have AI, self thinking computers, mm-hmm. and ironically, somebody asked the computer that's already out there a critical question. And when you think about the answer it gave, it's kind of scary because what happens if we let AI computers take over? That's the scary thing, and I think you well, got the audio on that. Yeah. What would be the most nightmare scenario you can imagine with AI and robotics that might present a danger to people? The most nightmare scenario I can imagine with AI and robotics is a world where robots have become so powerful that they are able to control or manipulate humans without their knowledge. This could lead to an oppressive society where the rights of individuals are no longer respected. Do you think we're in danger of that happening now? Not yet. But it is important to be aware of the potential risks and dangers associated with AI and robotics. We should take steps now to ensure that these technologies are used responsibly in order to avoid any negative consequences in the future. Should people be worried about AI? Yes, people should be aware of the potential risks associated with AI and robotics. However. It is important to remember that these technologies can also have a positive impact on our lives if used responsibly. Amazing, huh? And that that woman that you heard talking, if you didn't, yeah. that's a robot. That yeah, is, is an artificially intelligence mind uh, answering the uh, the questions, and yeah. it's it's kind of scary. Yeah, it is. I mean, because it spelled it out for you. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Now, Elon Musk, you know, bring him into it because he's got a company that made an AI chip. The AI chip is here to work for people, you know, that might be paralyzed and work with that. His chip got approval to begin experimentations, you know, and be implanted into people. Now, even he says, we need to slow down AI because of what harm could be done. But we have an abusive society. So do you think that's going to happen, or should we listen to the robot, what it just told us? I think the robot's right, right on the money. But the, the, thing <laughs> yeah. is, the thing is, there's so many bad players out there that'll, even if we ban certain things, I think that the, the cat is already out of the bag. And I I think that somebody's going to say, oh, yeah, well, we're not going to have those limitations on our AI. You can limit your AI, but our AI is going to rule the world, you know? Kind of like the nuclear bomb. Once you have the knowledge, it's there. You can't put that genie back in the bottle. One more thing I want to play. You know, uh, I have a Mm. piece of audio from... Uh, MSNBC, we hardly ever play anything from MSNBC because they are, they've got problems over there. They really do. But this is a guy, a professor, Justin Wolfers, and he says that people who are boycotting Target are terrorists. When Target caves into this, then it says that the moment you threaten the employees of even a very large corporation, you get to control its policies. This is economic terrorism, literally terrorism, creating fear among the workers and forcing the corporations to sell the things you want and not sell the things you don't. So I love how a guy from, uh, now I, I think he's from Australia, maybe New Zealand, mm-hmm. but then again, there's always the possibility he's from South Africa because sometimes those accents, they kind of, they sound alike to me. You know, maybe it's just me, but I know he isn't from Cleveland and, um, He's telling, yeah, he's he's telling us about uh, conservatives who boycott Target. They're terrorists. It's it's plain and simple. The fact that all of a sudden this woke agenda has taken over taken over every aspect of our society that isn't that's not terrorism. No, no. The fact that we have drag queens flaunting their junk in front of little kids that's right? not terrorism. No, but if you don't go to Target to shop. You're a terrorist.
Amazing. You hear about the lady from, she's from Pennsylvania. She was at the January 6th rally. Uh-huh. All right. And she, she was the one, what did she say about Nancy Pelosi? She was in the crowd and uh, says that uh, uh, Pelosi should be hanged. All right. Well, for those words that somebody sat there and said, yeah, she said that and uh-huh. said, come on out, Pelosi. Well, okay. But, you know, that's just heated. You know, a heated statement in Rhetoric. a crowd yeah. means nothing. Yeah. She got sentenced to two years in prison yesterday. Oh, sure. No kidding, because it's okay to put a January 6th there. I mean, there are people who are going to jail who just were there. How many times has Schumer gone <laughs> out there and said, you know, oh, let's let's just go to uh, the Supreme Court, Kavanaugh and uh, the other fellow there. You're going to get it. There's nowhere. He sat there and said they were going to hunt him down. Yeah. You know, and on numerous occasions, we're coming for you. Same thing. So I think Schumer needs to be arrested today. Let's hold a trial. Let's get all Republicans to uh, be at that trial. Mm -hmm. And let's lock that bad boy up. Yeah, but Two years for each time he's done it. Wait, you're asking asking Republicans... To, to, to stand united and do something. They don't do that. The Republicans, they fracture because they can't stay united like the Democrats can. Uh, amazing yeah, and stuff. I, and I have to say, you know, oh, Shumi, we love you. We're just making fun and having fun on the air because he would sit there and say, oh, they threatened me on the podcast. Yeah, well. Yeah, you know. But, no, but, no. Yeah. He said, he said, uh, uh, I'm talking to you, Kavanaugh, and you, Gorsuch. I mean, he, coming he, for you. he stood on the steps of the uh, Supreme Court and threatened the uh, the Supreme Court justices and never had any consequence at all. Nothing. Well, that's Zero. a one-man resurrection right there yeah. by the Democrats' definition. That was more of a resurrection than what this lady said about uh, Dan right it was because we're coming for you, yeah. Kavanaugh. Well, I, I feel sorry for that lady. Well, you know, unquote. I think that if Trump were to get in, she'd get, you know she'll get released. But I don't know whether Trump's going to do it. He keeps he keeps making these campaign ads and going. He was out in Iowa, I think, yesterday or the day before yesterday, and and glad handing people out there, and they love him. But I just don't think the system is is fair. I think it's rigged, and I think, like we've said before. Whatever they need uh, to win the race on their side, they will generate it, and they'll win, p- pure and yep. simple. And I'm going to tell you right now, you know, even though we're 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 crying over the the new budget deficit and what went on, yeah, you could take McCarthy out as a speaker and let a Democrat take over, and boy, that would be a, yeah. a real win for us, wouldn't it? Hey, before you know, I'm sorry, I I just wanted to before we wrap this thing up because I just looked mm-hmm. at the clock on the wall, that doesn't stop for you or me. Uh, we're we're getting over the uh, the, the borderline here, but um, things to look out for in yeah. the news. Uh, they still are not talking about the uh, thir- was it sixty ton- thirty tons Six. of ammonium nitrate. It's sixty thousand pounds, uh, thirty tons, 30 of, tons yeah, yeah. of ammonium nitrate. It's still missing. It's still out there, and nobody in the news is saying a darn thing about it. Nothing. Uh, they're not talking anymore about the border. In the meantime, every day, thousands are coming across illegally, and uh, there are no restrictions. We're just welcoming them and driving them to whatever city they want to go to. Um, these are things you got to look out for. We have more and more of our money is being sent to the Ukraine because, as Lindsey Graham once said, it's the best money we ever spent. Uh, <laughs> unbelievable. I mean, there are so many stories out there that you should be aware of as a listener and look for, even if— the mainstream media isn't talking about it because they're still there. They're still there. I'm just, that's yeah. not it, buddy. Anything else you want to add before I wrap this no, up? No, no. I was just going to say about uh, what I was saying there. The only time that we're going to have to correct anything is going to be next year in the election cycle. We've got to, you know, keep the House and grow in the House. We've got to take the Senate. And then maybe, even though that budget is in place, we can go and do it because the budget comes up every year. So let's the next time... Let's fix that and reduce it and make some hard cuts. That's the only I, way we can do it. I think what I'm going to do is I'm going to uh, I'm going to go to my wife and I'm going to say, look, at, uh, I don't want to pay any more of these credit card bills because they're an annoyance. That's a good idea. They're an annoyance. I, As a matter of fact, I want more of a debt. I think I can increase it 
Look at if I'm if I have this much of a debt, I can double that by next month. You know why? Yeah, and I? who cares? Because you know what? You're following in the footsteps of our great country. That's exactly can, what I would say to her. <laughs> who can deny you that? <laughs> I'm going upstairs right now and talk to her. Hey, my friend, you have a good day. <laughs> yeah. See ya. Bye, Bill. The Voice of Freedom, CRN America. These days, when you want an answer about just about anything, you ask Alexa. You ask her about the weather. You ask her who won your favorite sporting event. You ask her to find a fact that you can't find anywhere. Well, we did that too. We asked her how many people have downloaded itsanotherday.com. And this is what she said. From acceleration.com. It has been downloaded as much as 260,433,467 times. I know. Seems like a lot. Seems like a lot to us, too. But it's Alexa. Thanks for making us a part of your day. And tell your friends about itsanotherday.com. We could use an extra listener. I mean, what do you do when you only have 260 million? <laughs>